Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, today we're going to continue our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today specifically focusing upon fortitude. And one of the themes that we've kind of had about the gifts of the Holy Spirit leading into today is that the get, our responsibility with the gifts are to make the tunnel wider so that the Holy Spirit can find it easier to flow through us and to make us more receptive to be receiving the gifts and being able to implement them. And that's kind of been the common theme that we've had through our first episodes about the various different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today, turning into fortitude, I want to give you the floor so that we can adequately address it and go from there. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, the uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, again, are part of the gift of baptism. When we are baptized, we are really filled with Christ, with the Spirit of Christ, with the Holy Spirit, who begins to transform us more and more into Christ from the inside out. And so he takes all that is human and he purifies, perfects, and elevates it by grace into what is even more than human, fully human and even more than human. And part of that superhuman uh, grace that we receive is through the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and availability to God's interventions, uh, God's, uh, as you said, channel of grace, that channels of grace that he pours into at different times. And we looked at those, some of those intellectual graces uh, or intellectual gifts, rather, uh, like wisdom and knowledge and counsel and understanding. But we also have ways that he pours into us, into our uh, bodies, we could say, and gives us strength in this case. The gift of fortitude is a, a gift of strength, and those who are uh, uh, paying attention, playing along at home, will remember that the four uh, cardinal virtues also include fortitude, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And so there's a virtue, a cardinal virtue of fortitude, and then also this gift of fortitude, Remember the virtues, we uh, work under our own power. So if you think of that ship that's sailing along from this world to the next, we can use the oars anytime we want to. We can always stick the oars in the water and we can push on them. And those seven oars, we might say, are the seven virtues of faith, hope, and love, and then prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Roughly speaking, there's lots of sub-virtues and all of that, but just as seven broad categories, we have those seven oars that work under the influence of our will, and we simply uh, can use them when we want to, to make our path forward. And then in addition to those, we have the channels of grace that God gives at different times, and that's good. That's a, a good way to think about them is the wind that blows that ship and how wonderfully it moves that ship along in a rapid way. And we just have to have the capacity to catch the wind. So we need to have sails. And then we need to know how to work the sails in order to catch the wind most effectively. And that's how the gifts of the Holy Spirit, roughly speaking, allow us to be kind of moved along on the journey of holiness towards our ultimate destination. So the virtue of fortitude, we 
we tend we just use to uh, especially do the things that are that are hard to achieve or resist the the kind of temptations that are hard to resist the virtue of fortitude is you know, something we engage every day and and regularly as we kind of push ahead and it's associated with what we would call the uh, irascible appetite so things like hope on the one hand or anger on the other hand our zeal to resist evil or our hope to achieve the good that's hard to achieve um, those are those are both under the the virtue of fortitude that we would have uh, those are passions that that add to or that are used by the the virtue of fortitude so those are the kinds of energy emotions we could say that propel us forward in a good part of our humanity periodically god wants to give us a surge of grace in that area and that's what he does through the gift of the holy spirit the gift of fortitude is he gives us a surge of grace a surge of energy a surge of strength in order to resist evil on the one hand sometimes we face great evils and maybe you're even thinking now of a moment in your own life where you had to stand up against someone who was really doing something wrong or where you had to uh, intervene in some situation that was far beyond your natural strength and and we have a combination of those things in terms of the biological capacity, the the flood of adrenaline that corresponds to this, and the uh, the the fine tuning of the mind, and sometimes the protection of the the body that prevents us from feeling as much pain. And we have these kinds of uh, surges even at a natural level. But there's something that happens when the Holy Spirit intervenes and pours into us in these uh, great moments where we receive uh, grace through that gift of fortitude. Ultimately, that gift of fortitude, having done it once, we're able to do it a little better on our own. You've probably experienced that too. On, on the one hand, after one of those experiences, we may be left shaking and a little shocked. On the other hand, we feel even more confidence in ourselves and uh, sometimes can then engage actively the virtue of fortitude more effectively. Uh, we've been able to intervene. We've been able to uh, do something extraordinary in a, in a critical moment. And then after that, we, we feel more confidence to do, to have that kind of intervention or to stand up for what is right or to pursue a good that's hard to achieve or to stand against evil in a, in a strong way. So the gift of fortitude uh, empowers that kind of heroic response in, uh, in a, a critical moment. And uh, ultimately, the, the perfection of the gift of fortitude would be the kind of thing we see in the example of the martyrs. So martyrdom is the, is the perfection of fortitude. And uh, especially some of those examples of martyrdom where uh, I, I always think of the Japanese martyrs where hanging, crucified, uh, St. Paul Miki preached his most eloquent sermon from the cross and it's recorded by the the observers uh, or or saint lawrence was baking on a gridiron and actually had the sense of humor to say i think i'm done on this side you can turn me over or saint thomas more uh, who had grown out quite a long beard in his imprisonment in the tower of london was taken to the guillotine and had the presence of mind to say could you just lift my beard over? It doesn't deserve to be cut off. It didn't do anything wrong. Um, 
these these moments of humor and presence of mind, peace and acceptance are not the kind of thing that you train for. I mean, there's just no training program that gets you to that point. It really is something supernatural that comes through in that moment. We learn to be more available to it. We learn to receive it and respond to it more effectively. But ultimately, it's a grace that is not something under the influence or uh, doesn't come summoned by our will and is simply a gift that God gives us. Going to, to where he said there to, to kind of unpack that, one of the things that you mentioned there was that this has to do a lot with the uh, the energy emotions, and you brought out a couple of them there. And I know that in some prior episodes we discussed that those energy emotions, those times when you spike in anger and stuff like that, that those tend to be some of the things that you regret sometimes the most. I know that that's uh, an episode we discussed about two months or so ago, and you know, it, it's good to see that all the physical examples that that you'd given there about, you know, being able to, to overcome and, and deal with physical strengths. And where my mind went was actually a different direction was you know, there's so many times that you can be sitting in a group or something and the thought can come to your mind and you may not know where it came from and you just know it might be going a little contrary to the general vibe of the conversation or a little bit of a different direction but there's something irking at you to to get it out and as you were articulating that to me that that seemed to be when you were discussing the surge coming through you um to me that was that thought of, of that kind of knocking on the door to, to to have the courage to say this and, and to say it and put it out loud and what i have found so often is two things is first is is when those types of, of thoughts and comments you know, come into my head, not only do they tend to be shared by many people, um, but also they tend to be things that move everything in a more productive direction, whether it be in a particular uh, business setting or in a you know per- personal relationship type deal, that coming out and, and saying things that aren't in the same flow inherently takes courage. So that to me, that's in the exact same world of what we're discussing here um, in terms of the surge that comes through us that we don't really know where it comes from, but, but it was there and it, it was good to act upon. And that's something that I have found within my own life that, you know, just things have, have come up. I mean, it, it happens when we record these episodes a lot, just things come into my mind that I feel that I have to get out there. And then next thing I know, you're able to expound upon it and it makes our conversations a lot more richer so with that being said that's what i took away from there and something to to leave ourselves open to it to my mind as the goal is to open up the the pathway to make the tunnel wider is to to listen to that more and and then to act upon it so i want to make sure that that that's the right direction and that that kind of thought process that just went through my head actually is legitimate and I'm not conflating it with something else. Yeah, it's it's always uh always challenging to dissect these things exactly and uh even the the theological vocabulary is not absolutely precise in uh some of these areas, but certainly the kind of thing that you're talking about, the inspiration that can come to us, uh, a word to speak. Sometimes we talk about a 
a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And uh, broadly speaking, that fits together in the uh, category of prophecy, to speak out, to be inspired by the Lord. It's I always like the image of him kind of pressing on us. And then what comes out of us is, uh, you know, his grace filtered through our humanity. And then uh, we speak out in our own language and in our own imagery and things like that. But, but really his uh, truth. So it's a sort of prophetic gift that we can talk about. Sometimes we fit these into the category of charismatic gifts or extraordinary charismata or, um, you know, again, those categories are, are various, but, um, but we could also talk about it as a, a gift of knowledge or a gift of wisdom. Uh, in any event, it would, it would fit um, more under one of the other gifts of the Holy Spirit than the gift of fortitude, most likely, uh, unless the fortitude came in really uh, resisting evil, for example, those energy emotions, or, or really hoping for a greater good. Sometimes we have a surge of, uh, of hope that rises up in us. Now, there's a virtue of hope, but, but there would also be a, a kind of, could be a supernatural gift of hope, a gift uh, through the gift of fortitude that we receive, and uh, really hoping for something great to take place, a, a great conversion or a great intervention, a great miracle, um, something really great, hard to achieve that we have the energy to persevere with, maybe even just um, achieving a great result in business or um, carrying through with a, you know, a win in your sales, uh, win, W-I-N in your sales, S-A-L-E-S, <laughs> not a wind in your sales, although that could help to provide a win in your sales. But uh, anyway, the, so the gift of fortitude would have to do with the kind of energy emotions, uh, whereas one of the other intellectual gifts would be uh, maybe the inspiration of a word or a, a clarity of an idea or uh, even a movement of, of love, perhaps, or um, anyway, would, would affect us in some different ways. Well, fair enough. Like I said, we're not going to do these episodes all the time without me being wrong every now and then. So got to keep the, the record true there. So, but even with that being said about the, the issues of, of when we have anger dwelling within us, um, and you saying that that's where resisting evil can come into play. Um, you know, I, I think that also can apply to yourself too. You know, like, like you're getting all, hyped up and worked up about something that at the end of the day just isn't going to be worth it and and this surge to 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 calm yourself down because sometimes it does take a, an amount of courage not to say something when you're you're hurt or you're wounded and like i said i i don't want to go the wrong direction here i just know that that so many times things that could be settled um if they were just let to be in, in one of the two parties would would walk away that they just say that one little comment at the end, and then now the whole thing's on, and there's chaos everywhere. So, with that being said, that's kind of the the thought that I have when we're talking about, you know, especially anger in that department, and, and then I guess to a degree, um, envy is kind of the next door neighbor whenever you're talking about those kind of conversations. What I wouldn't want to demonize those emotions by themselves. Uh, certainly our concupiscible appetites get us into a fair amount of trouble. Uh, 
leading to uh, adultery and leading to uh, gluttony on the nicer end, although gluttony in the area of alcohol or other uh, narcotics can lead to a lot of other problems. So concupiscible appetites do also, uh, when they're disordered, a fair amount of damage. Um, but the, uh, you know, certainly uh, anger is, is, is a very powerful emotion and we can really hurt people if uh, that anger is not properly directed. Um, it can be a bit of a wild horse, and so we need to be uh, especially careful. It's also true that different people are susceptible in different ways. So, some people have a stronger set of concupiscible appetites, those humane emotions, but uh, the ones that lead us to uh, different kinds of indulgence in, in pleasure and uh, or, or even a deeper kind of sadness, a sort of depressive sadness, uh, those, those would fall under the concupiscible appetites. And some people are more inclined that way, uh, more melancholic on the one side or more sanguine on the other side. Um, some people are more inclined to uh, overdo the, the energy emotions and their anger, uh, they really have to keep a check on it. We, we talk about people having a short temper, for example, and so they, a short fuse, and so they have to really be careful it doesn't get lit unless they're really sure that they want to uh, blow the, uh, you know, whatever, uh, blow up at, at something that deserves to be blown up at. And I think we've both, we've been in both situations where we've been grateful that somebody's had some energy to fight a battle for us. And, and we get excited about that when we see the nobility of those who are strong fighting for and protecting those who are weak. And that's where uh, anger, you know, gets properly applied when it has a proper target. Um, but when it's kind of self-centered and, and disordered that way, when it's really uh, uh, tied in, gets hooked in with pride, and uh, when I, my wounded pride reacts and I have to get defensive uh, about something, protecting something that I felt like I own and I need in order to... Uh, keep my identity intact. You know, those are the kinds of things. I'm, if I were in your shoes, Joe, I would imagine that someone as skilled in the housing market as you are with construction, knowing rentals and, and dealing with those situations, you're extremely knowledgeable. And if somebody started uh, treating you like an ignoramus and uh, making claims that you don't know what you're doing or that you're incompetent or corrupt, then you want to you want to uh, hurt them back, you know, those, uh, those kinds of explosions can come out of us, but, but they get really mixed up with pride um, that because, you know, we naturally build our identity into some of the things that we're good at and that we do on a, on a regular basis. And when someone attacks those things, we experience it as an attack on our identity. And then we get defensive in order to uh, hold our identity together. And we lose track of the fact that really our identity is in being children of God, fundamentally, first and foremost. Now, there may be an attack that deserves to be resisted, but that's where we can see so easily the mixed motives we have, both to defend ourselves and protect our own identity, and then to correct a wrongdoer and somebody who is making false claims. And um, it's not it's not black and white, you know, it's, uh, it gets, gets messy in there. So, but, but the gift of fortitude could come through and, and often together with a, a gift of a wisdom, a gift of counsel, I suppose, directing human actions. We see that uh, the, 
the corrupt judge or the corrupt contractor needs to be resisted. St. Paul boasts to the Galatians that Peter, the apostle Peter, the first pope, was wrong, Paul says, and I resisted him to his face. That's pretty strong. You know, I think there's probably a gift of fortitude happening there together with uh, wisdom and counsel. And uh, St. Paul stood up to him, and rightly so. That that carved out a place for the Gentiles and was a critical moment for the growth of the church. It's a, a powerful moment that the Holy Spirit certainly involved in. So uh, anyway, just a, a few thoughts to follow up on that observation about, about anger. Certainly, and, and standing up to, to something that's wrong, I think that it's just inherent inherently important you know i think that the the thought that comes to me is remember this from elementary school it's not important to to be in the majority it's important to be you know the majority of the right so you know saying what's right doing what's right even if it's not always popular type type vibe there i'm sure it's been written many different ways on many different posters throughout america but the core concept still being there you know it doesn't matter if if you if you're standing alone or if you're standing with everyone else stand with what's right so that that's the, the the same type of thing that i just got from your conversation there is that you know inherently we're all going to know at some point that something is wrong and we need to stand up to it and it also kind of flows with some of those other conversations we've had in the past as as all of these conversations inevitably tend to overflow is it took me to the thought that that we had about when we were discussing humility in that you have to know that humility isn't simply, um, you know, being lower than everyone, nor is it being higher than everyone being humi- hum- truly humble is being in the center. If you think of the spectrum of, of, um, I guess now in this, in the civil world, they would call it esteem having super high esteem or super low esteem, but being truly humble was being, in the middle where, where you're in a, a realistic place and that we're all people, but there's sometimes you're right and there's sometimes you're wrong and you stand up for what's right and then you don't do what's wrong, essentially. So that was the, the thought that was coming to me there is that that there's more to it than just, just giving a surge of, of, of I'm going to use was, you know, righteous anger when I'm supposed to, is that, that, that it's, it's building up a lot of things there. So I do want to end the, the last part of this episode here with explicitly talking about how we can become more open and widen our tunnel to the gift of fortitude. Well, we always grow in these things by, by responding to them, by, by using them. And so, uh, and, and also praying for them, you know, those would be the, the simple ways, the straightforward ways, but, um, Again, I think I think the knowledge of it is is important, and ultimately we don't have a lot of control over when God gives the gift of fortitude. Uh, he knows His reasons, and and He'll do it. So, believing in Him, knowing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and this is one of the concrete examples of uh, how He does that through the gift of fortitude, and uh, being willing to do what the Lord asks when he asks for the reason that he asks in the way that he asks. And that great docility, sensitivity that we develop to the Holy Spirit makes us um, able to respond at the appropriate time, respond when he moves in us. And 
to that point, you have to be actively engaged. You, you can't be taking yourself out of the game and, and, and sitting on the bench. So uh, going back to the conversation we had about lukewarm souls, you can't just put your faith life and your spiritual life on a shelf and hope that it will be okay. You have to actually go out and, and engage um, in other pe- with other people in relations and to do this correctly. So with that being said, we, we thank everyone for listening. And we will be with you here again next week.